Chapter 6 The Memory of Our Eternity How might we turn the understanding of our ever-present, unconditioned and unlimited nature into our actual felt experience? Imagine the physical space of a room and add the quality of awareness to it. It is now an aware physical space, a knowing space. And now imagine that the aware physical space were to investigate its experience. If it directed its attention to the objects in the room, it would always find them appearing and disappearing. Even the four walls which seemed to contain it would appear and disappear in its experience. However, the aware physical space would have no experience of its own appearance or disappearance. In its own experience of itself, it would be ever-present and unlimited. If we now remove the space-like quality from this compound of space and awareness, all that remains is dimensionless awareness, that is our self. We, awareness, have the experience of the appearance and disappearance of the sensations and perceptions that constitute our knowledge of the body and world. But we never have the experience of the appearance or disappearance of our self. We have no knowledge of coming into being with the appearance of the body or of ceasing to exist when the sensations and perceptions that constitute the experience of the body disappear. We cannot even say that we existed before the body or will continue after its death. Before the body, there is no before, and after the death of the body, there is no after. Even during the existence of the body, there is no time present in which awareness endures. We are not everlasting in time. We are ever-present now. We are eternal. Jesus indicated this when he said, Before Abraham was, I am. Return to our aware physical space and imagine it taking three samples of itself. One, five hundred years ago, before the building it now fills was erected. Two, now, and three, in five hundred years' time, after the building has been demolished. If the aware space were now to compare the three samples of itself, it would find them all identical. Nothing that took place during the thousand-year period of the experiment would have affected it in any way. It would not have aged, deteriorated, or become tarnished it would always remain in the same pristine condition. Now return to our experience of ourself. If we were to sample our thoughts, feelings, sensations and perceptions at various stages of our life, each would be different. But if, at various ages, we were to sample ourself, our naked being, before it is qualified by experience, we would find it always in the same pristine condition. Our self never experiences any change in itself. Divested of the qualities it acquires from experience, it is simply present 
and aware, colouring itself in all forms of experience, but never being or becoming anything other than itself. Nothing ever happens to ourself. Imagine that the aware physical space were to look around itself at the objects in the room. Everything it saw would be limited. But if the aware space no longer gave its attention to the objects in the room and allowed its awareness to come back to itself, it would not find any limit there. It would find an edge to all the objects in the room, but none to itself. It would find itself open, empty, spacious. Likewise, we find a limit in either time or space to everything that we know objectively, but we find no limit in ourself. Even time and space are objects of experience, for they appear and disappear in awareness. In fact, time and space are never actually experienced. In the absence of thought, there is no experience of time, and in the absence of perception, there is no experience of space. Even in the presence of thought and perception, there is no actual experience of time and space. Time is deduced from thought, and space from perception. This is confirmed every night when we fall deeply asleep. In the absence of thought and perception, there is no experience of time or space. They are how the eternal, infinite nature of awareness appears when it is filtered through the prism of thought and perception. In our own experience of ourself, we awareness are unlimited or infinite. We do not become unlimited or infinite through effort, practice or discipline. We simply recognize ourselves as such. This recognition is not an extraordinary mystical experience. It is simply the recognition of the nature of ourself or being as it is now. Sometimes it is said in the traditional literature that our self, the presence of awareness, transcends experience. This is a true but somewhat misleading idea that suggests that our self is beyond experience and thus mysterious, unreachable and unknowable. It is true that our self cannot know itself as an object of experience. At the same time, it never ceases to know itself, just as the sun never ceases to illuminate itself. Our self does not transcend experience in the sense of being beyond it. It is prior to experience. Awareness lies behind and is present in the midst of all experience. John Smith does not lie beyond King Lear, at an infinite distance from him. He is the very essence of King Lear. Nothing could be more intimate, familiar and well known to King Lear than John Smith. Even King Lear's most intimate thoughts and feelings are like strangers to him, compared with the intimacy of the presence of John Smith. Describing ourself as infinite and eternal may seem to imply that it is at a vast distance from the very ordinary, intimate, familiar self 
that we know as myself. Nothing could be more misleading. Infinite, when used in relation to our essential self, simply means that our self does not share the limitations of experience, just as the space of a room shares none of the limitations of the objects within it. And John Smith shares none of the limitations of King Lear's thoughts and feelings. Likewise, eternal does not imply that our self resides in some mysterious dimension of which we have no experience. It just means that whilst all our thoughts, images, feelings, sensations and perceptions continually appear and disappear, our essential self or being remains present throughout. Our essential self is the ever-present factor in all temporary changing experience. It does not exist on the horizontal dimension of time. It is the vertical dimension of being. Our essential self does not share the qualities or limits of thoughts, feelings, sensations and perceptions and is therefore impersonal. Yet it is at the same time utterly intimate. The self pervades the body, but is not located in or qualified by it. It does not share the limits or destiny of the body any more than space shares the limits or destiny of the building in which it seems to be contained. It is intimate, impersonal and infinite. This intimate, impersonal, infinite self or I is the only I there is. In religious language, it is referred to as God's presence. God's presence does not shine in an individual self, for there is no such separate individual self within which to shine. John Smith does not live in King Lear, for King Lear is simply an apparent limitation of John Smith. There is no personal self whose essence is impersonal and universal. There is no higher or lower, enlightened or unenlightened self. There is just the intimate, impersonal, infinite self, which becomes temporarily mixed with the qualities of experience and seems, as a result, to become temporary and finite without ever actually ceasing to be itself. The self of every self is God's infinite self-aware being, the only self there is. The being we know as our self is God's being. In fact, not even God's being, as if being were an attribute of an entity called God. Infinite being is not an attribute of anyone or anything. There is only intimate, impersonal, infinite, self-aware being. It is referred to as God in the religious traditions, awareness or consciousness in spiritual circles, and in ordinary language, I. The person who embarks on a search for happiness, enlightenment or God is like King Lear travelling the world in search of John Smith. They are looking for their own being. The experience of happiness, the light of being or God's presence, 
shines in each of us as the knowledge I am. The sense of being myself, or simply the feeling of being. One who turns towards their own being will be divested, usually gradually, but occasionally suddenly, of all their acquired limitations, and will, sooner or later, stand revealed as infinite, impersonal, self-aware being. That is the essence of prayer or meditation. The name I, or the knowledge I am, refers to the element of experience that is unchanging and unchangeable. It is open, without resistance to all experience, and yet cannot be harmed. It is never enhanced or diminished by any particular experience, however pleasant or unpleasant. Our being is always in the same pristine condition. It does not need to be purified or perfected. It never appears and disappears. It does not move or change. It does not grow old, sick or tired. All experience is added to it and removed from it, but its basic nature never changes. Being never disappears or dies. Being is indivisible. It cannot be divided into objects and selves. Everything and everyone borrows its apparently independent existence from it, without ever actually becoming an object or an entity in its own right. This impersonal, unlimited, indestructible, indivisible, self-aware being fills our body with the feeling of being myself and shines in the mind as the knowledge I am. It shines in the world as the isness of things. The being in all beings is the same being. We share our being. Perception refracts impersonal, infinite, indivisible being into an apparent multiplicity and diversity of objects and selves, and thought gives them their names. Love is the experience of our shared being. When we love another person, we feel, to a greater or lesser extent, that the separation between us dissolves. Love is not a relationship. It is a vertical intervention of reality into the horizontal dimension of time, which is characterized by the subject-object relationship. Love is the collapse of this relationship. It is the end of the apparently separate self or person. It is the taste of eternity. When we long to love or to be loved, we long not for the person or the relationship, but to be divested of everything that makes us feel separate, temporary, limited and confined. We long for the freedom of our true nature. We long to return to our original, unlimited being. We long for love above all else, because the memory of our eternity shines in each of our minds, irrespective of the extent to which it may have been veiled by experience. Indeed, our longing is love itself filtering through this veil. We all long to be returned to our original nature, whether we realize it or not. All that is necessary is to take the thought I, or the feeling of being myself, and allow it to draw us inwards, 
as if the self were constantly saying to itself, Turn towards me, and I will take you into myself. 